0: This is Talk of the Town on News Talk 1290, CJBK, where interesting people talk and London listens.
1: Left
2: hand right, center today, Bob Metz, Jeff Schlemmer with us. Gentlemen, nice to have you both here today. Good
0: morning, Jim. Hi.
2: I want to take advantage of, uh, of our guests here who are skilled in the art of discussing uh, principles because we've got a principle. I want to throw on the table here. At least I'm not sure whether we just dis- define this as a principle or not. But I, I read a few minutes ago this thing that uh, somebody sent to me about preventable death, uh, and and that it is being used as a uh, um, an argument in favor of banning cigarettes. And I want to make the point yet again that I am not a fan of cigarettes. I'm not a fan of them. I lost both my father and my mother to, to the direct results of cigarette smoking. I'm not a fan of cigarettes at all. I'd be perfectly happy if nobody smokes cigarettes at all. So I'm not I'm not doing that thing. I'm not sticking up for smokers. I'm not doing any of that stuff. But I think there are some issues here beyond the purely health issue, and that's what this preventable death thing is all about. And those. I'm not going to reread it again because most of you, I'm, I hope, we are listening. I'll do, for Bob and Jeff, I'll just give them the quick highlights. The argument is that we're looking at causes of preventable death, and that smoking right now, they say, is the number one preventable death in North America. And because it's preventable, we have a responsibility, uh, the health, the, the public health officials have a responsibility to get people to stop smoking, because it's preventable. The The argument goes from this, is, okay, well, let's suppose that, that, that you can do that by banning it, by taxing cigarettes to the point where nobody will buy them anymore, whatever. Let's suppose that you do reduce... Uh, tobacco smoking to negligible levels, and it's no longer the number one preventable cause. What's next? Well, heart disease and stroke, a large uh, part of the uh, genesis of which is bad eating habits for many people and bad exercise habits. So what are we going to do then? Are we now going to ban cheeseburgers and donuts? Are we going to mandate that people must exercise every day? Because, so the argument goes, the preventable death argument, if it is valid to... Force people to stop smoking cigarettes. How is it less valid to force people to stop eating cheeseburgers and to force them to start exercising? Where, where is the substantive difference? Where is the philosophical difference? And I guess that's the key thing right there. Is there a difference between those two things? And Jeff, I'd start with you.
1: Well, I think that uh, there's a, a continuum, and that uh, I'm, I'm kind of uh, have my civil libertarian uh, uh, crankiness as well on some of these things. And I think that uh, on the one hand. Uh, I, I, I don't like it when government tells me I can't do this anymore or I have to do that or whatever. I look at uh, the way that uh, kids uh, grow up now and a lot of things that I used to do uh, that I liked doing in the old days, uh, kids can't do nowadays and uh, I regret a lot of that. Uh, on the other hand, I think that uh, as a as a civilization, we sort of evolve and there are things that uh, that uh, where government quote, saves us from ourselves but at the time we're, were similarly controversial. I look at uh, like helmets for motorcycles for instance. A lot of people don't like that and I drop ru- go down to Florida, and uh, nobody wears helmets. And uh, it's kind of freaky, but, uh, you know, they've come down on the other side of that debate. Um, Seatbelts, same kind of thing. Uh, look at uh, 100 years ago, meat inspection was a big controversial mm-hmm. thing. You know, you should let uh, the free, inter- free market look after itself. And then there was, like, these horror shows in the Chicago stockyards about uh, the way meat was being prepared. So there are ways that I think it's useful for us as a society to say... We're going to save me from my worst impulses. It's like uh, something we mentioned a couple weeks ago, which is that I don't keep cookies and ice cream in my house because if I have them there, I'll eat them. If I don't have them, I won't. So in some respects, government's sort of saving me from myself. Around smoking, I, I, don't, I, I frankly don't really have a strong uh, opinion one way or another about whether it's a good idea or a bad idea to be able to smoke in bars. I, I just, I listen to all the arguments and I genuinely don't know what the answer is. Uh, having said that, I'm not a smoker, so I don't mind there not being smoked there, but I, I agree that it is kind of silly to say you can smoke outside in the patio and not inside and 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 i don't know how far you take that but i think there's a sliding scale and as time goes by there are things that we come to decide collectively we're just not going to do anymore uh, but I, I rail against some of these things uh, that uh, again that we used to be able to do that we just can't anymore bob what about you jim there is death
2: is
0: not preventable okay it's not preventable period So it's mortality, rate is, yes,
1: mortality rate is still 100 percent here it's postponable yeah But it's not preventable.
0: And and what I've learned in life, is talking to different people, is there's two kinds of people. There's the people who believe in more quality of life and are willing to take more risks and less time. And then there's the people who believe in more security in life and they want more time and less life, less quality of life. Mm -hmm. They'd rather do the opposite. And right now, it seems that the second group is imposing its choices on the first group by telling them they cannot take certain risks. You know, it's just like the smoking bylaws here in the city. I addressed city council a couple of weeks ago on the Wednesday, and I made it clear that I already have the right not to be exposed to secondhand smoke. I don't have to walk into one of these restaurants. Mm -hmm. It's an issue of property rights. That's where the line is drawn. Mm -hmm. And for anyone to suggest as a customer that they have a right to impose their conditions of what should be in a place of business rather than the business owner, Deciding what business he wants to be in—that's just outrageous. I just can't believe anyone having such disrespect for another person's fundamental rights. We have a right to kill ourselves, we have a right to put poisons in our body. The problem is we live in a socialized healthcare system that's forced to pay for these things when we abuse ourselves. And as socialism never works, you, you go to the next stage—you go to fascism in healthcare, where you actually invade the home. And the private property of, of restaurants, and you start regulating health care on a, on a very personal level, and that's an inevitable pattern, and it's going to happen anytime we expect government to save us from ourselves. you know I'm, I'm so offended by the how many millions are they spending on these don't smoke ads on, on t- television, you know, like uh, secondhand smoke ads? There must be one on every, every single commercial mm-hmm. break they drive me up a tree, and I'm not a smoker. Uh, I just hate the thought that these things are on the air. I heard you talk to a guy last w- last week about uh, health care in the U.S., that, you know, they spend money on advertising down there. Up here, we get pure propaganda day and night. Who knows what budget that's coming out of, you know, and that's money not going towards health care. So I think we have a right to be informed about risks before we assume them. When you walk into a place where they're smoking, for example, it should be a sign there mm-hmm. saying smoking allowed or not mm-hmm. allowed. And that, to me, is where where the where the whole issue should end.
2: What about the problem? And and uh, we're we're getting a little bit off where I wanted to go, but that's fine because mm-hmm. we go where this goes. the The concern I have had all along about the you have a, you have a choice comes down to the employees. And well, they have a choice too. Well, yes, but we we don't say that to people in any other industry. We don't say to you that doesn't
0: make that right either. No, uh, but that means we're operating on the wrong principle in the other industries too. Are we? I made choices not to work in certain factories just because of the risk involved with the heavy machinery, mm-hmm. and I, I got paid well when I did that, but I got to a point where I said, no, I'm not doing this anymore. Well, are we?
2: Are we worse off uh, as a society because we have certain standards of safety in our in our industrial workplaces?
0: Well, you have to have standards of safety that are enforced through you know, if an employer does something that's negligible and causes someone else's injury or death.
2: It doesn't help you if you're dead. Aren't you, aren't well, you, aren't well, that's, aren't you, that's ar- an
0: argument for anything. Yeah, under but aren't, the you,
2: sun. aren't you better off to have a to have a, a well thought out code of safety and operation in an industrial plant? And which I that's all we have. really, isn't that. it? That's what we have.
0: But uh, what are you talking about? Machinery? You're talking about things like secondhand small. Well, you or couldn't work in a, peanut butter. You couldn't to work schools? in a
2: factory with the con- with the levels of air pollution that are found in the average nightclub. That factory would be shut down until they scrubbed that air you would not be allowed to, in the province of Ontario, you would not be allowed to work in a factory without level of smoke in it from the machines that you're working on. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be allowed to do it.
1: But having said that, there are certainly lots of other jobs that are that are dangerous jobs and, and they exist and, and we continue to permit that. I, I hear what you're saying on that and, and I, that's a pretty good argument. But uh, I look at things like, uh, uh, well, again, there are all kinds of jobs we have where you take measured risks. You want to go down in mines, you know, and uh, people get sick from, uh, you know, damp lungs and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. That uh, one way or another, there are cer- certain jobs that are just riskier than others. Look at the guys on the space shuttle. You mm-hmm. know, they, they took extraordinary risks in their jobs and we, we permit all that and say, if you want to do that job then here's what it is you know here's the way it is we, we make it as safe as we can but uh, there are some still some big risks in it um, so I don't know that you can necessarily say just because this makes this job more dangerous being in a being in a, a waitress for instance that in and of itself is a rationale for doing it that's pr- that's the balance against the individual yeah. liberties obviously. what
2: about what about the argument about the the, the next stage okay we've eliminated cigarettes it's, they're gone now the next preventable one has to do with with diet re- or not preventable, Bob postponable, has to do with diet-related diseases. I
0: don't think Pro- it's the next one. I think they're already doing it. Well,
2: <laughs> okay. So, so you know, uh, how do we then? How do we then say you can't, government, you can't go up to that guy at the Dairy Queen, who weighs 300 pounds, and take that double banana split out of his hand. How do, we, how do we say to the government, no, you can't do that?
0: Well, you vote for politicians who agree with that. Don't, don't, don't vote for politicians who disagree with but that. But I didn't That's vote
2: for politicians who, who... I didn't vote for politicians at all locally to, to deal with the smoking issue. I didn't vote for them on well, that
0: basis. Well, isn't that true of democracy right across the board? I mean, every politician runs on one or two points during an election, but legislates on thousands. And the other, you know, thousand... Issues never came up during any discussions, mm-hmm. and that's why we really are in a in a uh, constitutional um, dictatorship in many ways. Okay, and well, and that's, and that so debate's
1: going to occur, though. There is going to be a debate about uh, about fat. Right. No, so I was going to say once, once the is, debate is uh, raises uh, itself, a disaster. They say in the United States. I was reading yesterday in Time magazine about how the U.S. Army has gone back and cut. By half the amount of fat in all of its—they're uh, not called K rations anymore—but the mm-hmm. the ready-to-serve meals that mm-hmm. the uh, soldiers uh, eat because they said American soldiers are too fat, and so they're saying we're cutting by half all the, every, every single one. I can't remember they had, they had several thousand different recipes that they use, mm-hmm. um, but that is going to be the next national debate. I bet you, uh, and there are ways in which it's changing. And uh, uh, trying to modify human behavior always comes down to either a carrot or a stick. Essentially, I think we're seeing the carrots right now. We're seeing that they're uh, putting uh, information about uh, calories and so on on to food you know they're trying to get people more educated about this is good this is bad and so on uh, there are some products that have been banned like some kinds of diet pills and those kinds of things mm-hmm. that we ban and we'd say no <laughs> we're gonna save you from yourself they're too dangerous there's too many side effects in a free world we would be able to buy those if we want and say i appreciate the side effects but i want to take them anyway um uh, so so that'll be coming down the road
0: you know i was i you know i i don't eat that bad, but every once in a while, I want to eat junky food, okay? Mm -hmm. I actually want to, Mm -hmm. once in a blue moon, you know? And I'm thinking that, I'm reminded of something a doctor told me one time. He said, there are no bad substances, there are just bad habits. Mm Mm-hmm. And almost any substance isn't going to hurt you unless you're a very rare case and you have a particular allergy there or something. There are some, no some. bad
2: medicines, yeah. only bad dosages. Yeah. <laughs> sort of that that
0: can be true, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. And uh, But that's basically true. It's 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 the habit that can lead people down this, these paths of everything from alcoholism to drug addiction to um, being, being ov- overweight. And, and it's not just looking at a single object and placing all the blame on that object. I think this is all a flight from responsibility. From individual responsibility, forcing it all on the collective so we can excuse more g- getting more taxes out of them, giving them fewer choices. Um, and it's, it's an incredible flight from I- individual responsibility. I think individuals should ultimately be responsible for their own health. And that's an idea that is not very popular in Canada.
2: No, it's not at all, is it? But so. if we if we take that just for a moment, if we put that on the table for a moment and say how would we how would we make that work, well, y- you would require everybody to get their own. I don't know if you require them. Perhaps you do still require them to arrange their own health insurance. But you would be uh, not unlike getting car insurance or home insurance. Mm-hmm. If you're a bad risk, it costs you more money.
0: Well, there are so many pragmatically simple ways to cure the healthcare system, but they're not mm-hmm. politically. Uh, feasible right now given the agendas of the various
1: political parties mainly to stay elected <laughs> and, well, and that remember, often gets in the way i remember reading once uh, somebody writing who who i think was a scientist saying that you know it would be we'd all be a lot safer if we all wore helmets all, all the time mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well which
2: in fact is which in fact is true uh, the argument about automobiles about people being killed in automobiles that that people don't have to die in automobiles with the proper roll cages and and uh, helmets on all the time etc 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 virtually no one would ever be killed in an automobile accident but we tr- we don't want to do that so we We make that trade-off. We have to trade-off for a second here, too. We're coming back uh, right after this with more Left, Right, and Center.
1: Thought-provoking? No question.
0: Informative? You bet. This is Talk of the Town on News Talk 1290 CJBK.
2: Got an interesting email here from my friend Don. He said, Jim, think think about this. Most people would suggest that people who live a healthier lifestyle, diet, exercise, non-smokers, etc., save us health care dollars. I heard you refer to your own case this morning. You're the exception to the rule. If you had not recently adopted a healthier lifestyle, you would not have survived your initial heart attack, and you would have saved the taxpayers all the health care expenditure for your recovery. Well, there's some truth to that. <laughs> yeah, you know? Absolutely. No, it is true. And, and it's he-
0: absolutely true that smokers cost less to the system than non-smokers do because they have shorter lifespan. They're
2: out quicker. Yeah. I, I heard the other day that I was talking to Dr. Fred Saxton, and he was giving me some figures, but I hope I get right. In uh, 1970, Blurp, um, you reached the halfway point of the consumption of your health care resources um, somewhere, oh, and it doesn't matter, somewhere in your 50s or something. Uh, today you reach the halfway point. In other words, half of what's been spent in your entire life, and then the, the, that, 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 when you've got five months left to live.
0: Yep. Wow. Mm-hmm.
2: And stop and think about that. Half of the expenditure in the last five months of your life. You know,
0: you know that that brings me to uh, an underlying issue behind all, all of these uh, health care ads and the whole propaganda campaign. That's the intellectual dishonesty behind a lot of it. Um, Yes, of course these things are bad for us, but when they exaggerate it to, to a point that it just gets to re- to be ridiculous, never mind secondhand smoke. Let's talk about firsthand smoke and an actual cure for cancer. What do you suppose that would add to the average lifespan of humanity? If cancer all forms of cancer were cured tomorrow, mm-hmm. what would, you, what would you what would your guess be?
2: Well, and they say that we are programmed to be to live to 120. Like, there's genetic programming, evidence that we are genetically well, programmed to live to 100. My,
0: my latest information on this tells me that it would add about two years mm-hmm. to all of mankind's general Overall. lifespan. You'd, okay. you, you would die of something else then. Yeah. Okay, but, whatever the but next... That,
2: isn't that the key thing, though? You're going to die of something else. Right, and you will. Yeah
0: and i remember elizabeth kubler ross once saying and she wrote the book on death and dying she was quite she actually looked at it backwards she she was afraid of a cure for cancer because she found cancer was a way a lot of people could deal with death and take care of things in mm-hmm. their dying days and that many of the diseases she saw that were not cancerous were often worse in mm-hmm. terms of pain and in longevity of the disease than cancer itself so it's not a panacea of cures for our ills and making us live all that much longer and that's why that's why I think a lot of people look at it I think that's how smokers look at it you know they're not looking at it I'm smoking to kill myself I enjoy smoking my father sure did until he died of it mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, so of mine. you know and he never ever placed blame on anyone else you know he understood mm-hmm. what was happening to him he still yeah. said yeah I'd smoke now if I could you know mm-hmm. and to him that was the trade-off and I think that's when you get down to that individual responsibility. So let me
2: ask you, you know? what, are the, what are the odds that within the next five, ten years it, the hamburger police are going to raise their ugly heads in society the way the smoking police have?
0: Well, I don't know how they're going to enforce that, but the only way they're going to enforce it, again, is through the people who provide the services. Just as, just as they don't go after smokers or drug drug users, they go mm-hmm. after restaurateurs and drug peddlers. And they're going to go after... Uh, you know, grocery store owners mm-hmm. uh, and they're going to have to be the ones that do the regulation. They're, they will be the ones that you will be in al-
2: control. You won't be allowed to sell a, right. a fatty cheeseburger yes. and so on. They just won't so, be available. So it
0: won't be available to you. That's basically... They're not going to do it at that at ground level and then there's going to be people who, of course own farms and can slaughter their own cattle or grow their own crops.
1: And have barbecues.
0: Yeah. And who knows? Maybe they'll have to regulate that, too. To be raiding
2: the barbecues, then, the OPP helicopters. (laughs) I mean, there's no (laughs) end to
0: it. I mean, this all creates jobs for some government bureaucrat somewhere, you know? So...
1: Well, but fundamentally, though, I, I don't think that, it, that there's a malicious motive behind it. But behind it, And I think the challenge for government is no, to stay roughly, not. more or less where the public scary. is. Like <laughs> The thing is, I don't think the public particularly mind this, that we all recognize that we need to be saved from some stuff. There are some things that I, as uh, the lines say, that I can resist anything except temptation. <laughs> you know, and that uh, there are some things that say, you know, like, yeah, put the airbag in the car, because if you asked me if I wanted it as a $500 option, I'd say, no. But I'm glad it's there, you know. So, uh, But what government needs to do is not get ahead of the curve and be saying, look, you can't do this thing anymore, even though the majority of the public still say, well, we still want to do this, even though it's crazy. We just like it, you know, forgive us our sins. But there's clearly going to be a big debate in the next decade about food. Uh, And things are changing even now. Like I look at... um, McDonald's, You know, McDonald's is in a bit of a tailspin right now, and they're trying to find the the niche and and what's successful. And I look at Tim Hortons, and Tim Hortons is doing extremely well. If you go into a Tim Hortons, the food that they sell you, the sandwiches are like good quality, Mm -hmm. you know, good for you, not fried food. And I think that's got something to do with it. And McDonald's, you know, are trying to bring out their healthy salads and all this stuff to compete. The public opinion is changing gradually on these things. Um, Well, that's market
0: demand, and that's where
1: the change should come from, not from the government.
2: Yeah. It should
0: come from the bottom, not from the top.
2: On that note, gentlemen, we'll leave it. Thank you to Bob uh, Schlemmer and Jeff... <laughs> <laughs> That's the second time <laughs> this morning. Uh, I did it backwards the last time. <laughs> to Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer, they're joining us today on Left, Right, and Center. Thank you for listening. You guys, we'll see you next week.